Welcome to John Park's workshop. It's me. I'm John Park. Here we are. Awesome. Uh, all right. First of all, I want to say thank you everyone who came by last night for the unboxing on AdaBox 19. That was loads and loads and loads of fun. And I really appreciate that I get to do wacky stuff like that. Thanks to all of you. Thanks for, uh, for supporting our community, buying cool stuff in the Adafruit store, getting AdaBoxes, things like that. Really helps. Uh, so let's see what else I, I wanted to, uh, let you know, this will be a probably slightly more freeform show today, or, or maybe, uh, you might think of it as a throwback to, uh, earlier shows where I used to sometimes just build something on air. Cause I think what I want to do today, I've got a couple of things, normal things to do. Some things I'm not doing. I didn't prepare a, um, or actually, I didn't make a, like a one-minute clip of the, the last uh, John Parks product pick of the week, so I don't have a recap to play of that. Uh, but I am going to build something. I'm going to take a crack at just the most basic use of our ortho uh, snap-apart keyboard on an RP2040 Feather uh, from scratch. So I'll be putting some software on there. I'll be doing a little bit of uh, the soldering of, uh, of header pins and wiring and looking at diagrams. So it'll be that kind of thing. hope you dig it. Uh, thank you, C. Grover, for letting me know microphone is peaking a little high. I think I had goosed that up uh, yesterday when I was dealing with audio difficulties. Um, but let's get to it. So first of all, product, uh, product jobs. Yeah, that's what I wanted to say. Adafruit job board. Did you know about this thing? We've got it, and it's right here. Uh, and if you head on over to jobs.adafruit.com, then you may see something like this. Here's a, here's a job opening for a software developer in C, C++, Python, Arduino, and it is at a company called playlightpong.com. Lightpong. I wonder what Lightpong is all about. I can take some guesses. Uh, this is in Chicago. It is a contract job. They're looking for software developer to join the team. Need assistance writing and maintaining a framework for the handheld game device. Ooh. All right, I'm gonna click on the link then. Let's see what this is. Uh, playlightpong.com and Ah, hey, that looks cool. It's one-dimensional Pong. Really neat. All right, well, that sounds super interesting. So if you're in the market for a job, uh, and I, I, it looks like this is probably an on-site gig is my guess. 
Uh, they're in Chicago, so you might want to check that out. You just go to jobs.adafruit.com. We have free postings. We have uh, free job postings and free resume postings. So head over there and check that out. Um, let's see. So next thing I did mention that... Um, let me switch this screen out here real quick. The uh, product pick of the week was on Tuesday. I don't have a recap video, but uh, I'll give it away. It was this 2.7 inch sharp memory display. Really cool display, uh, a neat display technology. And uh, that was uh, the product pick on display. If you wanna go check out that video, I'll be posting the one minute recap later and they'll probably play it on Ask an Engineer next week. Maybe not, we might miss that one because I'll have another show by then. Um, but those were half off during the show, which is a good reason to tune in on Tuesdays for that show, because uh, you get a deep, deep, deep discount. And uh, the actually the other thing is, this sharp memory display uh, I mentioned is featured in that Playdate handheld game machine. A lot of handheld game machines on uh, mentioned today. That uh, is available today for pre-order. So. Uh, I'm not affiliated with them. I don't make any money for saying that. I don't have one. If I get one, I'm, I'm, I'm that close to pre-ordering one. Uh, it's between that and a Eurorack Euro module I want. Uh, but if, uh, if you want to get one of those, yeah, if I get one, I'm going to pay for it. I'm not, uh, I'm not making any money to get that or getting a free one. But they look cool, and they use that really snazzy monochrome display. Very retro. So uh, you can go check that out. And uh, let's see. Next up. Let's check in with our Discord. Uh, if you're wondering where the chat is at, this is it. We've, we've got a Discord server with, I think, something like 25,000 members or something like that. There's probably a robot command you can type in to ask uh, the, uh, the uh, number of members in there. It's like, question mark, members? I don't know. I, I won't test that, but maybe one of you will. And uh, head to the adafru.it, that's our URL shortener, adafru.it slash discord. You'll get an instant, whoa, we've got 30,100 plus members. Thanks, Mr. Certainly. Uh, instant invite if you head to the live broadcast chat channel. That's where we're hanging out right now. Uh, but we have a whole bunch of other channels uh, from everything from uh, announcements, pet photos, off-topic, help with CircuitPython, Arduino 3D printing, help with audio, Raspberry Pi, and on and on. Much members, Andy Calloway, that's right. Um, so head, o head on over there. That's where a lot of the chat's happening. I also see some people over in the YouTube chat. Hey, F-A-Z, hey, Rondell Bone, nice to see you, Gary T. Welcome, uh, thanks for joining us. Uh, let's see, how about, looks like no questions, everything's good. Lars is lurking, you know what? Lars is back there, and Lars has a um, untitled Goose Game goose sitting on his head for some reason. Not sure why. You see that right there? I don't know why. I don't know what's going on. I think my daughter had something to do with that. Uh, okay. So next up, let's do a little circuit Python parsec. Why don't we? Let's get all set up for that, huh? All right. I'm game. For the CircuitPython Parsec today, I want to show how you can read a capacitive touch pin or pad on a CircuitPython device. 
So here I have a Circuit Python, or rather, here I have a Circuit Playground Bluetooth, and this will work on nearly every microcontroller board that has capacitive touch pins, which is most of them. Uh, and the way that this works, you'll see that when I touch one of these pads here, it is both lighting up a little LED right on the device to let me know that I've pressed it, and I'm printing out to my little serial REPL display there, cap pad touched, cap pad released. So that works entirely on capacitance. In fact, it doesn't even require contact. You could put a piece of paper over that, it still works. Uh, and it's a super useful way to do input. Here's how it works in CircuitPython. Here's how it works in CircuitPython. It's really simple. I'm importing the board so that I get pin definitions. I'm importing touch IO. That's what we'll use for the capacitive touch. And in this case, I'm also importing digital IO just so I can light up that LED. Then I set up one of the pins as a touch IO pin with this command touch IO dot touch in and in parentheses the number of the pin. I'm using board A5 in this case. Uh, then I'm setting up the LED. I'm setting up a little state variable called last touch so I know when I've touched and released. And then during the main loop of the program, here's all that happens. We watch that touch pin value. When that value goes high, it means it's been touched. And then I can do some things. In this case, print out the cap pad is touched. And then I'm also lighting up that LED and flipping my uh, state change variable. When I release, it says if the touch value is zero or not, so if not touch pin dot value, and my state variable is true, then We've released it, we turn off the LED, and we print released. So that is how you can set up a capacitive touch pin in CircuitPython. And that is your CircuitPython Parsec. Uh, once again, by the way, I want to say thank you to uh, your good friend and mine, Mr. Toddbot, Toddbot in our Discord, who has a great Circuit Python Tips and Tricks page, uh, which is one of my not one of my one-stop shopping places to go and grab cool tips that I can share with you all. Uh, and uh, that is on Toddbot's GitHub. So if someone can put that in the chat, that would be great. I can put it in if no one finds it, uh, or just Google for. GitHub Toddbot, you'll find it. Uh, Dexter Starboard says Funhouse has cap touch. That's right. Uh, the the cap touch uh, pads on the Funhouse, in fact, are exposed out front on these little uh, three ravens or crows here. I forget which they are. Um, those are capacitive touch pads, and you can see there's there's silk screen uh, paint on top, and yet it still works. So it's not not based on um, closing a contact. All right. Uh, so let's take a look now at uh, this, this kind of upcoming project I've started working on. If you recall last week, I started showing how to design a switch plate for mechanical key switches. And uh, the example that I was showing is this sort of big honking number pad sort of thing that I'm building. Um, interesting thing about this is that it is gonna have non one U spacing on it eventually. So uh, let me look for some other props. Do I have a single, let me grab a uh, thing off of my wall here. Where did you go? Uh, 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 there it is. So 
This was from my product pick show. That is a 1U switch there. I'm gonna shoot this on the overhead, in fact, so give me a second to do a little setup. Uh, Mr. Certainly says they need more, more chats open. Wow, a lot of chats. Thank you for moderating. We appreciate it. Uh, let's see, I'll pop over a down shot camera there. Hey, why'd that get so small? One second. Wait a second. I'll make that a little bigger. There we go. And yeah. Okay. So we can unplug this in fact now. Lots of blue tack holding things on. So this is the uh, spacing of a single key switch and keycap called 1U or one unit. And the generally uh, accepted spacing for that is three quarters of an inch or 19.05 millimeters. That's the spacing you want from center to center for a 1U key or keycap. And so these here, you can see these are 1U, one unit. But uh, if you look at the keyboard you have in front of you, there are probably some weirdo keys that are multiples of that. So there are, uh, or, or fractional multiples. Uh, so you'll find 1.25, 1.5, 1.75, 2.0, I think this shift is maybe 2.25. Uh, this space bar is like 6.25. So there's a lot of different sizes that these can be, which means we're not on a grid anymore, which is a little, little weird, a little scary. So uh, one of the things I'm working on is a setup for building those uh, layouts when they aren't 1U. And in fact, this uh, numpad I'm building is going to use some 2U. I believe these are 2U for the enter key, that big zero, uh, and this plus key. So those ones are going to need different spacing. And then there's this one, which I think is 1.75, which is gonna have to go down here. And it's not quite gonna, gonna match up there. So I'm not sure if I'm gonna do that or not. I, I realize that that's not a aesthetically pleasing spacing. Um, so since we wanna build things that are not on a grid, that's actually why Lady Ada built this snap apart uh, ortho keypad. So this thing is, let me check my focus here real quick. Peel that blue tack off, that's bugging me. Uh, let's go grab focus, that's better. Uh, so you can see that this has the connections between the keys that are necessary to do the diode matrix, as well as the NeoPixel strand. So all of these are connected on traces that are uh, running through. In fact, let me go to the, let me go to the big down, down cam here. Put me in the corner. Uh, so these, is that still not in focus? It's hard to tell when I'm focusing it. Oh, that, you know what? Hold on, that camera is at a low resolution. That's partly why. Hang on, hang on. We have the technology necessary to fix this. Watch this. Zoom, high resolution, yay. Uh, so 
what we can do is snap these apart and lay them out pretty much in any spacing we want. So you could do something like a hugely ergonomic keyboard that's mounted inside of two halves of a couple of bowls and have like a crazy kinesis type of thing or a big weird tower or put them on your pants, I don't know. But uh, I'm gonna go a little simpler than that and uh, eventually just snap a few off of one row so that I can do that 2U spacing uh, on the end there and down here at the bottom where I need to. Um, so first step of this is just using the thing as it is without snapping it apart, without doing anything weird. So that's what I want to do today is take a look at how to just set this up and use it with a microcontroller. Uh, I'm gonna use the Feather RP2040 uh, which is lovely and available, and uh, we have enough GPIO pins to deal with the number of columns and rows that we have here. So I'm gonna uh, jump over to the Chrome browser again for a second, and uh, let's take a look in the learn guides. Just type in ortho in the learn guides, and you'll see there's this ortho uh, Adafruit Neo Key 5x6 Ortho Snap Apart Guide by Catney. Um, by the way, I am still curious if there's like an engineering reason. I should just ask Lady Ada uh, why this is being called 5x6, because um, I always think of things as width, height, like resolutions of graphic images, width, height. Your dresser is this many inches by this many inches, and then depth. Um, I'm sure there's a good reason. Actually, as someone uh, pointed out to me, you know, video, you often talk about vertical scan line uh, resolutions if you're just talking about 720p, for example. But when you talk about the actual thing, I always think of width and height. Anyway, we'll, we'll call it the five by six. It's printed on there, so Lady Ada wins right, right there. Uh, or you can just do that, turn it sideways. Now it's five by six. Uh, so this guide, goes into uh, how the uh, ortho keypad is set up. And actually, I'll give you a, a brief aside. Ortho, why is it called that? So let's look at a Plonk keyboard. It was spelled P-L-A-N-C-K. So Plonk keyboard, uh, where is, here's O-L-K-B. So these keyboards, here's even a video, what's a Plonk keyboard? These keyboards are ortholinear, they're called, which means they don't have the staggered rows of a more typical keyboard. Uh, they instead are on a grid. So when you're typing, you just go straight up instead of off at diagonals. Um, and there's actually some pretty good research I've seen saying this is more effective, more efficient, easier to learn. Uh, it's not too hard to relearn. I don't have one, I haven't used it, but I'm gonna build one. Um, and uh, I, I believe there are claims that the staggered rows we use are just literally a holdover from how you have to fit the mechanical typewriter um, arms, the, all of those arms running off of the keys to their pivot to the strikers, they, they, they can't be straight in a row. So um, I don't know if that's true or not. You could probably make little bends, but so an ortho or an ortholinear keyboard just means it's on a grid. So uh, you, can, you can look into that. That's just one company who makes them. There's a lot of people who make those out there. Uh, and so this goes over the, uh, the layout here. If we look at this pinout page, uh, you'll see each of these um, squares on here, mini PCBs on the one main PCB, they have, 
the kale sockets so that we can um, plop in a key switch. So I'm just gonna try not to bend them. Wiggle, wiggle. There we go. Uh, you couldn't see that, sorry. So I've got a key switch popped onto those two little key sockets that you see there. And then they have this NeoPixel. And these are south. Uh, some of these sometimes these are made on the north, but you can flip it around like that and use it that way if you want. Uh, they have to be somewhere. So those shine up through usually a little light pipe or hole in a key switch. It's pretty standard to have, uh, have those in key switches. Uh, so that's one string, essentially, of NeoPixels, and you can see those are running through some traces in this zigzag pattern. So if you were to just light them up one at a time, like a typical NeoPixel row, you're going to get that pattern, that snake, snake kind of pattern. Uh, and then you can see here there are um, redundant pins for the columns, and then there are redundant pins for the rows. So we can read a column and a row, uh, to determine which key is being pressed. You can see here there are also uh, in pins for the signal for the NeoPixel data line. And then that's gonna be tied to uh, each consecutive one on the out. Now you don't have to wire uh, any of those NeoPixel connections on here until you start snapping things apart and, and moving things over. So by default those are um, all wired to each other, and we only need to put a single in data pin power and ground at the beginning of the chain, and it'll, from your microcontroller, it'll run all the way through. Uh, but they're there in case you start breaking stuff apart. That's how you rewire re that circuit. Uh, there you can see the top and bottom uh, pin rows. The left side is the voltage in, which will typically be three volts or five volts, depending on the microcontroller, more likely three volts these days. Uh, and there's uh, a couple ground pins there as well that are shared for NeoPixel and uh, Matrix. Then if we take a look at the next page on using this with CircuitPython, you have a really nice diagram that Katni made on, uh, if you're wiring up this whole board, here's the connections you're gonna make. And I'm gonna make at least some of these today just to see if we can get it working, get it started. So we have uh, a, I'm gonna take a look at this large blow up here you can see this shows uh, we're going to run three volt to three volt or volt in we're going to run ground to ground that's it for power connections and then we have a uh, neopixel in pin uh, which is which one are we using for that uh, board d5 to this snap in so you can see here board d5 this green wire is running to uh, the top middle pin there, which is how we're gonna um, run the data line, the beginning of the data line for NeoPixel and then the rest of it runs through. Uh, and then every other connection you he see here are sets of columns and rows. So pairs, pairs of uh, digital input pins on the microcontroller running to a column and a row, column and a row, column and a row, column and a row, column. Uh, and so if we uh, scroll around this image here, so let me go back to this page where it's a little smaller. Uh, you can see we just fan out getting columns and rows. All right. Uh, so let's see. B 
beyond that, uh, when we want to code it, we can use our uh, keypad library, which Dan Halbert wrote, and this makes uh, easy work of keypad matrix, keypad shift register, or straight GPIO uh, per pin, switch per pin type of uh, keyboards like the macro pad is. But this one is way more, this is uh, 35 switches. Do I have my math right? 36? 36 switches. Uh, six times five, right? Uh, 30? 30 switches. I'm not so good with the quick math. Uh, so we have 30 of these. We can't do 30 GPIO pins on many microcontroller boards other than uh, something like a, a, a Grand Central uh, or a Mega. So we're, we're definitely going to use the diode matrix capabilities here. And the board actually has the diodes uh, built on. So it's a matrix with diodes to prevent ghost key switch um, presses, which is when you press one, but it registers multiple. Uh, so the code here imports board for pin definitions, imports keypad, so we can use all of that good, easy uh, helper code for, for reading the, the key matrix, and then NeoPixel as well. And you can see this is the key setup right here. Keys equals keypad.keymatrix, and then all of the row pins are called out by name, and all the column pins are called out by name. Then uh, we define uh, a key to pixel map so that you can do uh, light up per NeoPixel per key if you want to. You don't have to do it that way. Uh, and then we, uh, let me go down to the main code here. In the main loop here, while true key event equals keys.events.get. So it just checks for any key events happening on the diode matrix. Uh, and then the um, key number is returned and then we can use that to light up a NeoPixel or do whatever else we want. Uh, so, let's see. Let's start getting some of this set up. So I'm gonna uh, put this large screen up on my window so I can see it, and then I'm gonna head over to the workbench and uh, let's see what we can do. So, hold on, I'm gonna make a screen I can see from over there. I should have grabbed a laptop or an iPad, but I didn't. Um, and let's get started. So, hey, that's more cameras than I meant to have viewing right now. Let me turn this one off here. And goodbye me. There we go. So I was thinking with this one, um, I have a couple of these uh, boards. I've left all of them over here, so let me grab one. And for testing, and maybe for um, the construction of the, the final thing, ultimately, what I want to do is make it easy to test some stuff out and... Uh, easy to change some of the wiring and change some of the, uh, the placement of things. So what I'm thinking of doing is attaching some angled header pins where I need them uh, under the board. So for example, I'm gonna break off a row of three of these. And if I need to use the uh, V in column and uh, NeoPixel in here, I'll have 
those ready for some uh, header sockets to plug in while I'm doing testing on breadboards. So I'll take this type of, uh, I love these um, sort of soft, flexy, silicone covered wires. So if I place that right like that, I'll be able to run that to my breadboard without uh, soldering a wire directly to this, um, and, which gives you fewer options later. And if I wanna make a carrier board or something like that later, I can use a, uh, some kind of like angled headers to get back down to a PCB. So this will be uh, this will be interesting for I think for testing purposes. And what I'm going to try to do is um, at least make like a little mini uh, one of these right now, rather than uh, solder everything onto there because I think we'd all get tired of that. So let me see if I can control my computer over there with this. Uh, yeah, there we go. That'll work. So. I've got a trackpad over here that I'm using to change a monitor out. So what I'll do is, uh, let me fire up a soldering iron here. I've got one of these little pen ones that run off USB-C, they're really nice. And uh, I can probably just place a few of these to keep everything level, even though I don't need these sets of three everywhere. Set a few in the corners and I'm just going to solder the one I need. So something like that. Uh, and then I'm going to try a very tricky maneuver here of flipping it over without making those fall out. Put some fingers on there, flipping it over, setting it on the edge of my workbench, sliding it on, and there we go. Make sure I put those facing out. It's pretty good except for one that missed. Let me grab a little pick tool to flip that. I could have used some tape or some rubber bands or some blue tack too, uh, but I did not. Oh, okay, that's good, but now I lost this one. So that's the one that matters. Let me try to get that back in place without. I see you under there. All right, that's not a puzzle game that I'm gonna win. There we go. Whew! All right, was it worth it? I don't know. Sorry you couldn't see that fun game. Okay, so I'm gonna solder this uh, little set right here. And I don't have a fume extractor here, but I do have a fan blowing from my HVAC that is gonna disperse those fumes pretty rapidly. Okay. Uh, so let's see, I will, 
Um, I almost wonder about soldering in those corner ones. Nah, I'll leave them, because when I start breaking stuff apart, I, I, I won't be as happy with those there. Uh, okay, so that one I need, and now I'm gonna uh, take a set of uh, just two. And what I, one thing I like to do, let me, sorry, let me zoom in here. We can get a lot closer. Uh, one thing I like to do with these, if I'm doing, um, if I have a set of three holes there to work with and I only need two of them is rather than, it's really terrible to try to solder individual ones. Sorry, let me grab some needle nose pliers. Um, but what you can do is if you have a reason uh, to not include one, if, if you're ever trying to um, make sure you don't accidentally plug into something you don't need, you can pull a pin uh, right out from there and just end up with, with two. Uh, I'm trying to think, this is, yeah, I can flip this over now, I'm not worried about those. That is an alternate in for, um, the NeoPixel data, and I'm not gonna use that. So I think I will signal that to myself so I'm not wondering later, hey, what are you trying to plug into there? So I just remove that pin, just drag that right out of there. And now we can solder in a pair. Uh, now I think I'm gonna end up, I don't mind hanging these off the edges. Um, I don't wanna point them inward, that'll become messy. And you can see we've got this uh, little space about, I think it's like 10 millimeter spacing. It's not 10 millimeter. What is that, four? Uh, I've lost all rulers. Oh, I, re I moved them. That was a bad idea. Uh, so this, this little border here, let's call it five millimeters. Uh, it doesn't exist on the sides, but I'll probably add it when I do a case for this. So I don't mind hanging these off the edges here. So let me place that right there. Is that the limit? Yeah, that's as close as I can get with this. Uh, so let's go ahead and solder that in. All right. Uh, so now we've got uh, that's ground, up here is power, and in fact, I'll start uh, connecting up some cables to these. Luckily, I've got a lot of them. So let's do power right here. And we'll do ground over here. My only uh, desire for these um, cables that we have is I wish they came in more colors because we just get four colors with these. I could use eight easily, uh, especially for a project like this. So now what we're going to use, um, let's see, this up above is going to be a row, this, uh, this pin right here. So we'll place a cable there. And this is going to be a uh, column and the NeoPixel. So we'll do a column in yellow, just so that the columns and rows are different colors. Uh, and then for the NeoPixel, I'll probably just, um, 
go ahead with another yellow cable. Now, just so I don't get confused later, I'll go ahead and plug my uh, NeoPixel cable into this pin D5 on the uh, RP2040 feather. So I think that's, yeah, that's what we're using there. Um, and then I can go ahead and plug power to 3.3 volts. By the way, this um, Feather RP2040, RP2040, one difference between it and uh, some of the other Feathers is that it doesn't have a VREF reference voltage. Uh, it just has two 3.3 volt next to each other there. Uh, then I'm gonna plug in ground to ground. Like so. Uh, yeah, we can go ahead and plug in the first common run. In fact, we'll just do a, a couple of them and test and see if we can read four keys. Um, I'm not sure if that'll work or not. We'll find out. So let's see, this uh, column is gonna go over to pin 13. And this row is gonna go to D4. Okay, so the next one we're gonna do is just this single pin uh, right here. So uh, for that, I think I'll go ahead and, I think I will solder in just the set of three. It's gonna be a pain to deal with singles. I don't know, making this up as I go along, so hopefully we end up with a happy result. Did I put that in the right way? Yes. And then I'm gonna do a row and then I'll go over uh, and we'll, first of all, I wanna take a look at Discord because I can't see it right now in case people are screaming that something horrible has happened to my audio. I'd love to know. Uh, but first let's do one more uh, row here. So, and then like I said, all of the traces exist running through these little mouse nibble ready snip off points. Uh, there's actually some tiny perforations there to make those a little easier to snap apart. Uh, if you snap them apart, you'll then be bridging connections that currently exist. Uh, okay, so let's do one more column and row. So I'm just gonna use the same color scheme here. Uh, so this is gonna be the leftmost pin here. And this will be the topmost here. And these ones go off to 12. Pin 12 for the column, and the row goes to, what are you going to, A3, looks like. I think I got that right. All right, so uh, why don't we pop in some key switches. Sometimes you'll test, you'll want to test things like this without any components added in case you've screwed up and bridged power and ground, but uh, Key switches are pretty 
uh, immune to problems. The only thing I'd be likely to do is fry out uh, NeoPixels if something was done horribly wrong. These are some KL Box black switches, which are linear, like a red, but are a little stronger, a little stronger spring in there. And like so. All right, I'm gonna bring this over and I'll check the chat and see what's going on. you go chat there you are hi chat uh, is there any reason you could not attach the headers with the pins go under the board keep the square format without having the you could totally do that uh, cryorix uh, so the, the question is would you just put pins straight up into it definitely can I was actually just trying to keep a lower profile when you put a pin and then the cable into it, you add a, a decent amount of space that I didn't want to do. So I was trying to just keep things uh, level, but absolutely that would work uh, as far as this circuit goes. Um, untitled Lars game, yikes. Okay, good. I don't see any panics happening in the chat, great. So uh, let's take a look then at uh, setup for this. I'm gonna, Go to the CircuitPython setup part of this. And let me put a, a little um, downshoot view like that. Okay. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to take this here feather, RP2040, and see if I can reach it with this USB-C cable. Boy, I love USB-C just because I'm not constantly flipping it over three times to match polarity. So uh, what I'll do is uh, I'm going to hold down boot select and then press reset. I'm not um, sharing windows of it. I now see a RPI, Raspberry Pi, RP2 drive show up. That's the feather. And uh, in my browser, I'm going to go to circuitpython.org, downloads. And if we do RP, we get the Feather RP2040. Uh, I'm gonna actually double check the guide to see, and Katni I think is in the chat. Do we have a, I'm gonna use the CircuitPython 7, I think. I think that's probably not a bad idea with this. I don't know if you mention it uh, explicitly, but so let's go CircuitPython 7.0.0 alpha five. I'll download that UF2 and it's downloaded. Now I'm gonna go ahead and drag that to the RPI drive. It will um, flash it and then restart. Uh, and then I, I think keypad might be baked into that. Let's find out. This is kind of a fun, uh, fun way to find out without even heading over to, uh, to a web page to, to look at it. I'm instead gonna, let's take a look at this view here. Uh, I'm gonna go to Chrome or uh, Adam rather and this one is probably 
that. And let me open and see if there's any code on it. That's not the right drive. This is. Okay, that was, uh, okay, that was just some memory display stuff I did on that one, great. So what I'll do, and just to prevent problems, I'm gonna unplug, I, I started using a macro pad as my camera switcher, but I haven't uh, done the shenanigans to prevent it from showing up as a drive thing yet. Uh, so let's take a look in the REPL here. I'll do import board, dir board. That's going to show me uh, all the pins that are on the uh, RP2040 here. That looks right, right? Uh, and then to check the libraries that are on it. Can I check that on the board? Now I can't remember. Uh, does that have... Yeah, you know what? This is a... I don't think it is. Okay. This is a bit of a diversion I don't need to take, but maybe I'll do that another time as a, as a tip when I remember uh, how to check which libraries are baked in. So what I'll do is back in uh, here, I'll go to the top, hit libraries. I'll download the bundle version 7. Or I can use Bundlefly. Why don't I do that? So if we look at the uh, code here in the guide, CircuitPython usage, this example here has download project bundle. Uh, let's see, that's a four by two. Okay, we'll, we'll change that a little bit to just be two by two. I think that should work. So when I hit download project bundle, we're going to get a zip file. I'll unpack that and that'll include code and libraries. So again, you won't see this part, but I'm going to go ahead and uh, drag the contents of that code and library directory to my CircuitPy drive here. There's CircuitPy drive. Paste two items. Dir. That's right. Uh, replace. Replace. I'm just overriding some stuff. Okay, so let's jump back here and see if we run the code. Let me just reopen that in case I do anything wrong. Okay, so I'm gonna set two rows, two columns. Uh, the NeoPixels on D5, yes, okay. The row pins, this is a little different than what I was looking at for that full example. So let's, let's change those. So uh, column is D13 and D12. Oh, I have that. Okay. Uh, row is D4A3. Oh, it is right. Okay. So I can just get rid of those two. Uh, number of NeoPixels should be four. And... I don't know if there's anything else to change in there. So I'm gonna hit save. And let's see what happens. Hey, so we've got 
key zero, pressed, released, key one, pressed, released, key two, pressed, released, key three, yay, <laughs> we have success. I'm very excited about that. Uh, so that is the, uh, the real time, hey, does this stuff really work if you just look at the guide? In fact, it does. So hats off to Dan Halbert for this wonderful uh, library that we're using. And thank you so much, Katni, for the very clear uh, instructions in the guide there. Uh, so now I think all that's, uh, that's going to remain is to either wire up more of this or I may stop... Um, adding the pins until I do a little bit of my modification of the layout. Um, so to get some of that 2U keycap size spacing uh, that I want to do for these, you can see that that just doesn't work. Right? Those, those, those don't fit like that and you can't just offset them like this. So uh, there's some pretty specific spacing that we'll have to do to get that to work. And that means I'll be removing some keys and uh, snipping them off and rewiring them. So uh, that's, that's going to be it. Oh, did someone say the LED mappings are off? Oh, totally off. Whoops. Hey, thanks for pointing that out, uh, Jim Neal. Let's fix that. Okay. Does anyone see the problem in the code? I'm, I'm guessing someone did. Uh, let's see. Um, all right. Someone tell me what, what you see. Let's see. Uh, where is the... Oh, sure. That makes sense, actually, right? Because one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so uh, the full keyboard goes NeoPixel 0, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5. So 0, 1, 2, 3, like that. So we need to do some remapping here, uh, unless I were to cut right there uh, and, and cut... Uh, or, or rather re-jumper uh, that over to this side, then we get one, two, three, four. Um, so I guess I won't deal with that in code. We, we would just have to make like a little table that says the NeoPixels that we're lighting up are not um, zero, one, two, and three, but would be zero, one, seven, and eight, right? That's it. So thank you, good, good catch there, uh, Jim Neal over in the YouTube chat. And uh, sorry for anyone with, um, if I'm triggering your OCD with that right there. <laughs> that's kind of upsetting. All right, so I think that's gonna do. Uh, let me know in the chats if you have any thoughts or questions about this. I'm gonna go ahead and uh, work on my layout stuff over in Grasshopper uh, and Rhino so I can get the the spacing sort of parametrically, so I don't have to just hand, hand model that. Uh, and then I'm gonna laser cut myself a nice key plate or 3D print one. Uh, and then I'll be able to um, essentially support the boards with the uh, key switches and key plates from the top. And then I'll probably uh, do a bottom plate that screws in and nestles them in there. So stay tuned, that's what's coming up next. I'm also still working on my macro pad for Minecraft. Um, and I'm going to try to commit the code real soon and get the guide out there uh, so that you can do Minecraft shortcuts on your macro pad. One other brief uh, announcement. I will point out that, hey, look, 
macro pads came back in stock this morning and we have 40 left. So if you were uh, someone who did not get a um, Ada box, but you saw the Ada box unboxing last night and thought, my gosh, I'm really dying to get my hands on one of these. Now's your chance. I believe you can get both this uh, bare bones macro pad and you can also get the hardware add-on kit. Um, so those are, those are available right now. Uh, and there's a max of one per customer, so they should, we'd love for each person who wants one to get one and not, uh, not have people collecting too many all at once right now. We'd be happy for you to do that in the future when we get uh, more of them in stock. But, uh, so I just wanted to mention that. Uh, and I think that is it. Yeah. So, hey, thanks again for stopping by. I appreciate it. And uh, I will be seeing you next Tuesday for my next product pick of the week. And uh, then probably continuation of this project next Thursday as I build this out so that I can finally have the gigantic numpad of my dreams. I still haven't asked my mom if it's okay that I kept these keycaps, but I think she's okay with it. Maybe I'll check now after the show. If not, I'll be buying myself some DSA Profile Double Shot keycaps because I love them. All right. Uh, thanks, everyone, for watching. And I'm John Park for Adafruit Industries. This has been John Park's Workshop, and I will see you next week. Goodbye.